All right, everybody, welcome to the Facts Project. My name is James Grandmaster Facts Boys, and today I have an extremely special guest today, and this is a long time coming. Sebastian Jones, Stranger Comics. Thank you, sir, for being here. Are you kidding me? Thanks for having me. I appreciate the love and support, man. You're following me for a while. It's epic. Yo, I'll get I'll get right to it. Oh shit! Um, okay. So 2017. Okay. Um, New York Comic Con mm. was the first time I got to meet you as a customer. Right. Um. So. Uh, as as you basically go through your whole channel of uh, introducing the book to uh, about thousands of people that show up there within those four days, uh, exchanging exchanging hands, talking with with one another, everybody basically like learning the stories. Uh, and at this time, I got um, I got curious about Untamed for the first time. So not only did I get to get to talk to you, I did my roundabout, and I also got a chance to talk to Daryl. Uh, oh, okay. May, yeah. May as well. So, yeah. so um, this started a rabbit hole for me personally, <laughs> which was wanting to get more entwined into the world of Stranger Comics, the world of Niobe, mm. the world of Arathuni, the world of Dusu, the world, the you know, the Untamed, and how it basically just like molded into this epic fantasy. Thank you. Yeah. And more so because I'm a fan of indie comics, right. uh, it just it just brought out a difference of pers of perspective. Mm. It, and, and I talk about it a lot that we are not uh, we as African Americans we we as being uh, people of diversity are not monoliths to the stories that we tell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when when this was first brought to you, uh, as far as like peeking into your mind. Hmm. Where did this come from? Yeah, wow. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah it's it's funny. Uh, I mean, so the world, Niobe's world, I guess. So I'm a mixed, a mixed dude that grew up in a very small white village. And um, my mom, my mom's from India. Um, she's mixed too. Like, I'm, I'm super melting pot dude. If you, mm -hmm. you know, uh, if you, if you probably can't tell by my, my confused right. accent. And, yeah, my confused face. Um, but um, really, it was a it was a search, I guess, for my own culture and identity as um, you know, as a young as a young man, and and being also really super immersed in um, uh, a few different in inspirations. Musically, it was um, like Coltrane, uh, hip hop, um, Muddy Waters, James Brown, Otis Redding, Nina Simone. I was like, I was a savage for music. Mm -hmm. And then, and then cin cinematically, I was, you know, hardcore into, at the time, of course, Spike Lee's movies to Spaghetti Westerns, uh, Kurosawa, and, uh, and, and being a comic kid, and I played a shitload of D&D &D and live action role playing. So I was like, uber nerd. Okay. And um, and immerse myself in fantasy. Yeah, I think I romanticized about creating a, um, a a very culturally inclusive fantasy world while I was playing and being a dungeon master and shit. And uh, to see myself reflected in those stories and in the right way I wanted, I was like, "What the fuck is this drow? And why are they evil? Why are all the dark skinned people evil?" And I was just really kind of cool on that. Right. And and then. Um, 
and in Niobe kind of, I think, manifest, I romanticized about a character that could, could kind of reflect my own um, vulnerability and my own uh, wrath and uh, frustration and rage. And it felt like she was a manifestation of my own duality of spirit. Mm -hmm. And I was either going to go down one path because uh, I had a very, I'm a very skinny, had a very bad temper when I was young. Okay. So, it was, so it was like very extreme, you know, big love and then big, big anger, I guess. And, you know, I could see myself going down these two different paths. And so Niobe, the more I grew as a man, the world that I was creating was growing. I ran a record label for a lot of years and I was just developing these stories. And long story short, because I'm a rambler, is I think I wanted Niobe to, I wanted the world I was created, I wanted her to make the world I was creating a better place in the, in the world of Asunder. Mm -hmm. And so as I grew, she grew with me. And then I sound like a probably obnoxious dickhead, but I was like, if, if, if that can happen, maybe Niobe can make our world a better place when you read the stories and fall in love with her and see yourself through her lens, whether you're white, you're black, you're missed, just this, the concept of your own journey. Everyone's, you know, there are certain layers, especially more and more for black folk and more and more for, you know, for disenfranchised and women and all these various things. How do you connect with your ancestors? All these, you know, layers and whatnot. Um, but there is a commonality with human, of a human theme of um, struggling with obligation and adventure and responsibility uh, versus, do, and, and doing the right, and doing the right thing. You know? Right. Yeah, that, no. that, was, that was the bigger thing. And then the stranger, just before I space it, yeah. The manifestation of the stranger and the untamed is also a reflection of a man wanting to be better and how do you get a second chance and what do you do with the second chance in a finite window. Mm. So you have these, to, to, your, to maybe the overall arching question, James, is I didn't want to, I want to create a big Lord of the Ringsy world, sure, but the stories I wanted to tell was a reflection of the human spirit and mm -hmm. you could relate to on a human spirit, soulful kind of resonance, not like, oh, we're off to save the princess and right. these giant tropes. Yeah, I've got wars and dragons and gods and all that cool shit. But if I if this was a Western or this was a samurai feudal era, or this was modern day, whatever, mm -hmm. it's still, I could still tell the same story and draw you in and go Ooh, feel that like the woof moment. And then you go, wait, fucking hell, I'm in a huge fantasy world. Mm -hmm. Let me explore the world with Niobe. Right. And, and from how you look at it, from the storyline itself, you almost want to take it to a societal level because the way that I basically, what I've read from Niobe is that from birth, she's, she's a question mark. Yeah. You know, so like she's in search of something. She's in search of who she is. She's mm -hmm. in search of her future. You know, and then, and then she finds puzzle pieces on the way. Right. So it's almost, it's, it's a formulation of a bigger picture. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that that's so important for all of us. It's kind of like, well, we're, we're all piecing together. You know, I always, I, and I'm going to butcher this quote. And sure. It's my favorite quote, but I'm going to butcher it. It's Malcolm X has a quote, which is, don't be in such a hurry to condemn those who don't think like you do or act like you do today, because there once was a time you didn't think or act like you do now. Sure. 
and I, and I just, and, I, and I'm sure I'm just paraphrasing it and ruining it, but just conceptually it, when I'm ju being judgmental, I can always try and go, whoa, that, that person is going through their moment right now in this space and time. And 10 years from now, they might look back and go, well, that was a mistake. I just yeah. didn't, you know, and, and the same for me too. And I, and I think if I can bring that to some of these characters that might have passionate linear perspectives in their journey, but right. let them go, oh, shit, I would and, and open their eyes up a little bit on their journey, too. Yeah, it's 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 good that you brought up Malcolm X, because he he is a person is a metaphor for evolution. Yes. You know, for how his mind progressed. Yeah. ultimately. So, so to see storylines built from that from that progression from the seed all the way to to the blooming, yeah, is just it's it's genius. Now, mm -hmm. now the the team that you have uh, with with Daryl Daryl May and uh, Peter Berting, um, how did this collaboration come together? Okay, so so Daryl is. Um, he used to come and play live action role playing with me. So I, I literally was this, so I'm a bit older than all the rest of the heads that I would play D&D. When I was the super young dude growing up, okay. I got to America and I started running these live action role playing groups and this crazy um, heavy metal wild dude came and he was so enthusiastic with the games. Yeah. But this is like, we're talking, I don't know, like over 20 years ago. Okay. And, um, he was a loan officer and he would come to play D&D. &D and, and I was like, whoa, this guy's, um, he's he ended up becoming an anthropology major. Mm -hmm. So every, so the world I was creating, I was like, yo, this dude is really not only smart, but he is um, a genius creator and he is so giving of spirit. Right. Very rare, authentic person, not no fluff, no bullshit, just, um, very, very uh, heart on the sleeve uh, kind of dude, ah. um, and and so with that, it really became this thing of how do we nurture this not only the spirit of Niobe but also from a uh, just from an anthropological standpoint. All right, bet. So if we're creating this town and it's in you know an African region of the world, why right. the fuck are these other kind of shows and things doing like oh they've got they got metal armor on well they fucking they bake you know right and, and all and um so we created like you know plants and trees and geology and geography and uh, migration patterns and, and all sorts of you know wonderful things um so so yeah he really helped um you know really structure some of the more earnest anthropological kind of foundations of the world making sense, even to the point of this, where I was always like, okay, orcs have to be green. Fuck, you know, I love Lord of the Rings movies, but fuck orcs being black, that's stupid. Yeah. And um, uh, so we created, and why are they angry? So Dara's like, well, what if they have their frontal lobe is always being pushed down on this bone by the, so they're always in pain. And when uh -huh. you're in pain and you're not sleeping and sleeping leads to, to uh, reactionary and being so you know you've got checks and balances for physiology right in addition to the mythology of 
why are they green? Because they're descendants of the jade god who is jealous of his blah blah blah. The mythos. You got the mythos, uh, and you got the fact. Right. Um, so that was that was Daryl, and then Peter Bergting was a funny story. So I have a friend of mine named Scoop. Um, have you ever seen the show Halt and Catch Fire or the last True Detective series? I remember the last True Detective. Yes. Okay. So one of the lead actors, he's um, not not Mahershala or other white Stephen Dorff, but the other lead dude, the white dude who was, I think, the dad. Okay. So he was, he's kind of like got a mustache, kind of like, kind of probably hick like. He was also he was also in like uh, one of the superhero movies and Argo and Twelve Years a Slave. Anyway, he was one like, of my uh, Colin Farrell. No, his name's uh, his name's Scoot McNary. Um, he, he, he's one of those dudes you go, oh that dude, I recognize him from tons of shit. Okay. Yeah, you look up Scoot McNary. So he and I used to be in the same have the same. Uh, I used to uh, do commercials and model back when I was younger and pretty. Okay. And. Um, so he fell in love with the untamed stories. Like, I don't like fantasy and all that shit, but this story, because I wrote the script. We did right. we were we don't know what the fuck we were doing. So this script I'd written and we're like, we're gonna make it. And I found this guy in Sweden called Peter Bergting. Mm -hmm. And we we pretended we were these giant Hollywood producers making this giant thing. We're like, yo, you gotta do this comic, it's great, blah, blah, blah. Um and I was working at the time with these filmmakers called the Polish Brothers, um, who did these indie movies back in the days. Twin okay. Falls, Idaho, Norfolk, very kind of like David Lynchian's Kubrickish kind of thing. And they saw me as a rough diamond and whatever the fuck. I was working <laughs> with them. I don't even fuck that story. Um, anyway, I was working with them, and Peter was like, "Oh, you're working with these guys? Okay." I'm like, but that was kind of my bait and switch. We, you can, we can work on this shit, but then you've right. got to do some shit on The Untamed. And then by the time Peter realized we were full of shit, he, <laughs> fell, he fell in love with the project. <laughs> and he's like, this shit is fucking great. A spaghetti Western with, or a Kurosawa movie, um, but with set in a fantasy world, but distilled into one town. And the and the Rome, you know, he fell out with the romance of the project, and that's how we met Peter. And it was, bro, that was a struggle. That was a struggle. I mean, it's always been a struggle, but that was a struggle too because the original Untamed book that's meant to be set in our kind of Morocco part of Asunder. Uh huh. And I was like, yo, we've got to have more of a inclusionary cast because I'm the ultimate anti-fuck-the-white-savior kind of person. Right. Please, you know, make Stranger a little bit more, you know, a bit more like me, a bit more like ambiguous, what the, you know, what is, mm -hmm. and then have more black characters, more brown characters. We're in Morocco. I don't want to be like, oh, look at this little black girl. Oh, oh, she, why does she, the, the classic alone, you know. Right. Um, so, so then when I was doing that, I started work heavily on Dusu and Niobe's own storyline to go, okay, I want to make sure we have nothing but black folks in this comic here. And, okay. and I'm going to make sure I also, like with Niobe, work with black artists and writers to also um, make sure they're not, you know, they, they're just knocking it out. You know. Yeah. How did uh, Amanda Stembler get involved? Amanda, um, 
Yeah, Mandler is amazing, and Mandler and Ashley. Yeah, did you realize this, bro? Like, we didn't even realize when we did Naibishi's Life, it was like the first nationally distributed comic with a black female author, artist, and hero in the history mm -hmm. of comics. We were like, what? It was, it was, it was great. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, anyway, so I met a Mandler. So I have these series of kids books I do called I Am. I, do, I Am Mixed, yeah. to celebrate with cultures. I Am Awesome for How to Be Brave, Not Give Up, Adoption. I'm Living Two Homes, Kids mm -hmm. with, with Divorce. And I was at this event and I saw a Mandler and I was like, oh, that's that. That's the kid from um, The Hunger Games. Yeah. So I ran over and I was like, hey, take a picture, you know, with the book. Okay, I'm going to tell you about Naomi. You've got to be Naomi. You've got to write with me. Da -da -da. And she's like, she thought I was, you know, her and my like, life. Bag, bag. Yeah, like I was crazy. Uh-huh which was true. And <laughs> I said, I said, I'm going to be doing a live reading right now for this kid's book. Come and listen. Okay. And they're like, uh, uh, okay. I didn't give them any option. So we go into this big auditorium. No one is there apart from one old black lady in the very back row. So like, I'm telling like a seat of 300 people. Right. And, and I am reading to no one. Right. Apart from one lady and then a couple of people doing some arts and craft shit on the side and a man or a mum sit at the front and I started so reading this kid's book and she's like, uh, and she was cracking up, you know, because I was like, mm -hmm. you know, felt like an idiot. And she's like, you're really funny. Okay, what's this Niobe book about? So I gave her the Untamed book and mm -hmm. uh, I said, this is Niobe, you know, even though you're following this man's journey, it's really her ascension. It's a, the seed is planted for who she could become. Right. And she's like, I'm, I'm in. And, um, wow. and, and we, we, we would meet for uh, coffee and sushi and start developing the story. And to, to begin with, it's crazy, but to begin with, we were like, let's write this as a novel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a few sessions in, we were like, this is going to take forever and we're both super crazy busy i'm like wait i think my my company's meant to be stranger comics maybe it should be a comic book you know mm -hmm. and um and then we saw about trying to find the right artist while we were developing the story right and we went to a black comics arts festival in san francisco the first one uh, that was john jennings was putting on and um we met ashley there and amanda just fell in love with her art mm. and and i'm used i was used to more kind of like gritty painting heavy you know that that kind of stuff yeah. and 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 actually her art was so beautiful and light mm -hmm. and and whimsy as it was you know whimsical kind of attitude nature to it and it had a little bit more anime manga kind of influence as well really? which i feel like yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, that's going to speak to Amanda's age group and and young girls a lot more than more gritty painting." So, you know, um, she did a test and was like, "Oh, yeah, this lady is incredible." And 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 then we started developing Niobe, and it all came out around the same time. Now, did you did you formulate in the beginning that the lead would be female? Yeah, yeah, always Niobe was going to be the face of the franchise, always. Yeah, it just, um, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, okay. All right. I, a lot of people get offended by this. Um, mm -hmm. But um, when I was a kid, 
I, I was a, always questioning and, um, okay, I'll be very honest. So when I was at school, I'd have to go to church every day. Mm-hmm. Me as a dude that was not from a religious background, couldn't understand why if there was a Messiah character and there was an overall creator of a universe, why was it male? If right. Women give birth. And so um, I felt that narrative just as a young kind of like, I don't know what the fuck's going on kind of kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I was just questioning everything and I was thrown out of, I was, yeah, I was that kid at school. Right. <laughs> My teachers did not like me. Um, I don't see why that wouldn't be a viable question. You know, right. if, if you're seeing something with your own eyes, a, a woman that gives birth as someone who brings life into this world within the physical form. Yeah. What, what makes you so different to question entities that do right. think? Right. That that a hundred a hundred percent. I just think we're well, there's a lot of folks that are very obviously extremely sensitive because their faith and religion is wrapped up in their identity and sense of self and and protection mm-hmm. and the moment, the moment you start like tugging on that blanket then they become vulnerable of it because they're naked you know right. for, for, for questioning and and like no let me stick even more blankets on fuck that you know <laughs> um, so so yeah so from a very young age i was like you know if the cradle of civilization is africa and the um you know women give birth and give and create life then my messiah my mm-hmm. prophet isn't going to be joan of arc a singular saint who's going to be burned at the cross she's going to become god ah. so that that really was this the it was always kind of the i don't know if it was a super realized realized plan when i was super young Mm-hmm. But maybe peri- there was certain peripheral ideas and like, oh, you know, like even even the books now, you know, a, f- a friend of mine recommended me this name. It, you know, I even come up with she is life like, oh, she is life. So she is death. So she is spirit. So she is God. That's kind mm-hmm. of going to be the the arcing series of the she is series. And, um, you know, and, and I was just also, you know, as a person, just discovering more and more of myself as a as a father and right. you know a son and a friend and you know um failing miserably at relationships in life and picking yourself back up and and so Nairobi would have this manifestation and also from the political landscape um you know there are passages in Nairobi she is death when you if you you know read it a couple of times mm-hmm. um is really to speak to the silent people, the people that don't aren't brave enough to kind of, you, you know, this is a moment where you have to bring your right. voice to the forefront. And, um, and also understanding that I have a limited budget because I'm independent as fuck, <laughs> <laughs> limited pages, what's in my head to Daryl's layouts, to Sheldon, this Jamaican artist, um, mm-hmm. who I've known for many, many years, lovely guy, great friend, to then, put out and she is death how does that translate in the evocative mood of Niobe hunting down sex traffickers yeah. to reflect our own black girls that get abducted around the world so mm-hmm. that can have a certain place 
in you know in the norms of wrestling of how many agendas am i trying to also fit in without it being top plot heavy and then not losing the again the the um earnest um one-on-one -on -one connection the inner monologue that you have letting that actually feed it as opposed to overtake it you know these certain themes so there's a lot of a, a lot of thinking goes into this stuff but then also and i'm going to sound again so fucking up my own ass but what i do is i put on certain music okay and um and then let the spirit of the moment and the music kind of start to formulate um my intention of my uh, emotion and then let that almost kind of dictate you know, the story whether it's stranger's story or niobe's or deuces mm -hmm. yeah and through those characters there's always that sense of looking for mentorship mm. within um within a father figure or a mother uh, or a motherly figure within mm. the books and um throughout the chaos that may be precluded throughout the whole story. Mm. There's that sense of just like uh, wanting someone to aid them. Yeah. Or the either the lack of help or the need of help. Right. And generally for somebody that that young in the storyline, you right. know, that's like almost like never ending. You know, I, ha I have a child. So, you know, I know how much she reaches out for my hand and in aid of anything and then to see it within this book you're looking at a young girl who's experiencing growth physical yeah. physical emotional spiritual mm. all in one mm. so like it's 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 definitely it stands out within the books thank you well that's that's cool that's cool i get worried you know like because you're in the lab and you're like i want to fucking clear if this is uh translating yeah. or not you know um so that that's great to hear that's great to hear yeah it, it, and and the, the the fact now you you're now within the i'm seeing if i'm getting this right uh because because mm -hmm. i have i have not only the omnibuses but i have some of the singular comics as, as well so we're oh. looking at six titles so far yeah, we have six six collected titles, and then we've got um, probably got one on the table lurking around here. So we've got more Kamoa. This is currently being in in the works right now. Wow! This, this was in the back of uh, the Naibushi's life hardcover. Um, we had two issues in that, and mm. uh, so this is. I mean, talking about look, there's baby Naibushi. Yeah. I mean, that's really. It's like, the it's the Simba moment. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and Daryl actually did all the pencils on, on this. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Like his moment to shine. And we have six large um, issues of this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really, he's really, um, really not, yeah, he really knocked it out. So we have that and we have the first issue of Assessor as well which is yes you, you, yeah i have that as well yes yeah that's such a pretty yeah mm -hmm. so we have the first issue of assessor um so we'll work on that storyline but you know being in a these things take you know what i what i realized on stranger comics was the whole goal was always to be the marvel universe of fantasy mm -hmm. and but um eight obviously i don't have their budget um yeah. 
but B, that's okay in the sense that if I could make a living as tough as it is, um, just making sure that we, if we only ever put out one or two books a year, but they're really, really beautiful and people go, oh my God, I want to have them at my coffee table. I feel really proud to be part of the family and and, and have just a, an emotional connection. Like, like right. there's, a, there's a memory for it. Um, that that's that was my goal and then the presentation part was um uh, i followed three business models like i did with my record label it's like hbo blue note and tashin so if we could present a look and a feel like blue note records with a quality of tashin you know the the being known for story and visual storytelling like hbo right that's how i wanted to present stranger comics whether we're doing fantasy or we're doing dick and fart jokes you know it's like whatever it was you know like ruining christmas like whatever it was it was going to be hopefully just at least a plus and not compromising what you're trying to tell now was the goal always to see these storylines cinematically yeah yeah i mean it, 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 yes but no in the sense that I didn't ever want to be that company. It's like, all right, we gotta, we're gonna do this comic, so we hope it becomes a movie, right? Because then that, you know, the the you have to honor the medium, honor the medium first. That is the comic book medium. That is the most, you know. It's funny. I was on a, having a chat with um, an interview the other day, and I heard like there are some speculators and some collectors that really really love us, which is thank goodness because it you know keeps the bills paid and. Yep. You know, no, no conventions is a tough, tough gig for, for an independent that makes their money at comic conventions. Yes, it does. But then some get like, well, when's the show coming? You said, and I'm like, you know, and I heard a rumor that which cracked me up. I went a bit ballistic. I was getting into last year. Like, what, what do you say to the rumors of people say you're making these comics to um, make money on the speculative? I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, sure. For thirty years, I'm like, you know what? One day, I'm gonna I'm gonna risk everything, right. create these stories, pay these artists, do like bleed for this shit, so I can make money off the speculative. I mean, it's it, it was the most absurd shit. And I, so for me, the story is the most important thing, and the most important thing is the comic books because that's how it's birthed. Right, it, is in this medium. And then, yes, we. If I win, you win as a collector. You win, I win as a as a publisher because I'm able to tell more stories. And the artists that we work with and the stuff we do, whether it's you know like fun tribal quest stuff, you know like representing the culture in the most you know uh, cool kind of fun way. That that's the goal. But then storytelling wise, the way I present, try and present the stories is cinematic mm -hmm. so it's you know a lot of widescreen and um a lot more panels that you probably noticed james like yeah in our books that are more widescreen than most comics that do a lot of like circles and this and all sorts of things um i'm a bit boring i just like it <laughs> no I because i in between a lot of the books, the hardcovers that that I that I just received, and even in some of the comics, there's those two-page landscape shots within the panels. 
that's probably like the most prized possession in the book. Mm. Yeah, it's just the moment you have to then breathe. Mm -hmm. and, and I felt like if if I was my favorite director is like is Kurosawa, and and I grew up on the Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, the shot made the, they had such an impact on me as a kid cinematically. It's just picking when you're storytelling the most. It's like good hip hop with sampling the best breaks. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why to me, you know, the golden era of hip hop is like they mine the best jazz breaks, the best yes. James Brown breaks, and they're choosing these moments and then reinventing the storytelling. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, yeah, the story's fresh, but in my mind, I'm cherry picking the best panel for the moment that has the most visual impact or the most patience to mm -hmm. lead you up to the next impact. Um, I, I actually, like Daryl loves uh, drawing like combat. And I hate writing it because I find, I, I like the waiting in the wings, like the, right. the tension, the tension, the tension, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine that that's difficult to write a fight scene. There's not much dialogue. Yeah, it, it's, it's not even, it, it's literally, I don't, and I, you know, you've you read The Untamed, there's yep. a lot of pages that I don't write any dialogue and I write, try and make sure I let the art speak when it needs to and not over mm -hmm. handed. Like, ah, oh, you killed my father, I'm gonna punch you again. Whoa, you know, you, you're weak, hey, you know, that, that I love that shit for some writers, but for me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that guy, I guess, you know. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, but the panel, so what we try and do is go, okay, if if you're in a we're in a prison setting, like mm -hmm. in death, you'll suddenly see the panels are upright, and in certain panels, because I want to start getting claustrophobic and feel like you're stifled, in in, in like you know and and symbolically these are bars and bars of the mind and the soul and the physical, and then you can open it back out again, and then um, combat starts to get a bit more chaotic and you can start to use some of the landscape. Right, right. Yeah, so we, we, even in The Untamed too, we really try to, in the first book, we really try to pay real attention to the mood of the scene. Like, oh, the mood of the scene, in addition to the time of day, we want it to be bright, we want it to be fresh, we want to hit it like it's cold and it's just hit you. Right. So there's a lot of attention to detail, which is, Again, why we can only put out so many books because they're like, okay, and then in this panel, you know. <laughs> now, as far as like landscapes are concerned, I know a lot of authors tend to like go somewhere. I know you you brought up Morocco, mm. where like Stephen King used to usually brings up Derry, Maine, mm. or how uh, George R. R. Martin uh, utilized his outside window living in the Colorado Rockies right. as like the landscape for Game of Thrones and everything like that. What was Morocco that place? Yeah, you know, and I've never been. Um, my old man, when I believe my mom went to, um, it, it was just the concept too of the architecture and the um, the feeling of not just the architecture, but just that it's a a reimagined frontier kind of town surrounded by a desert. And mm -hmm. then it's almost like an, a town of Oasis, an oasis within a desert. Mm -hmm. And the true history of Oasis 
is um, that is to give you some fun spoilers. That is the uh, is that the cradle of civilization? Is that the birth of the world? Mm. Okay. And then if it is the birth of the world, so when you re if you reread the Untamed Still of Fool, the new one, and um, and I think Dura says it right. Um, I mean, I can never remember half the shit I write, but it's like, she's like, um, build a well to protect our water and a gate to shield our well. So you can write the well in Oasis that you see. Right. Others will come seeking Oasis. And, and in this, it's just this. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and the, and the kid is like, what is a gate? And she's like, the end. Right. Like the beginning of the end, the end of all things. We shouldn't even need gates and and borders and these types of things because we are a free people and that's how we're meant to that's how god intended um you know the spirits or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and so if that is oasis then the gallum wren the first people were pushed out by the humans so it's very you know indicative of every kind of like white settler mm-hmm. that goes like all right i'm posting I'm posting up here. All right, you, you can get out. All right, bet. We'll trade with you. Right. All right, go and live in in the area where we don't, there's not fertile ground, you know, mm-hmm. and good luck, you know. Uh, but we'll trade with you um, if we're not slaughtering you, you know, whatever. But, so that that is the, that's Oasis has history upon history upon history when you start to unearth it. Um, right, right. Now, to, to build upon that, the vastness of building this book and creating the different types of tribes, mm. um, the landscapes, everything is pretty much vast, especially within epic fantasy books. Yeah. Like, how does that come about? Do you have to build upon the creation of the world of a Sunday? I, I think, I think for me, for me, it's like, the answer is um, always um, whatever is working best for you as a creator. It's not, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I mean, look at Tolkien, the master, he created a language and then created races to speak the language. And then yeah, Dothraki. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, well, I mean, how do you, like, fuck, that's, you know, congrats, you know. <laughs> um, for me, again, for me, I just, and it sounds so, um, it might sound wacky, but for me, it's um, I listen to music, right. I listen to sounds, and I listen to frequencies. I sound like this fucking dick, but this is this is just real. Um, mm-hmm. It is. Uh, I believe that the sound of frequency is the thing that moves <laughs> the 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 earth, the world, and people. It's true. And, um and i believe it has literally got the power of spirit in that so if i listen to certain songs or certain sounds it's going to do i'm going to be able to uh who's going to who's going to um sing those songs or who's going to um uh, fight or fuck or hunt or kill mm-hmm. or cook or what is the ceremony of those sounds um and um and that starts to in, inform how certain folks might look or feel, in addition to, you know, 
the 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 one plus one me looking it up on Wikipedia or Google or whatever or old books or old stories and you know things that you've seen and, and heard and and then Daryl being an anthropology major making sure that these are check these do have checks and balances mm-hmm. and they, they make sense right but then on and on top of that I think inherently what we've managed to do is create something that feels familiar but there's an originality that that oh i feel like i've experienced this before but i've never seen it before right and and that's taken some time to get there Mm. and and so that's from a cultural a spirit of intent for how people can look and talk and walk and fuck and whatever um and eat the, you know, how, how do you break bread? How do you congregate? How do you, um, uh, you know, what ceremonies of what, what, and this is what is important to you mm-hmm. as a tribe of people? Like, you know, you know, when I, I went to Thailand once, it was like the most important thing to do is smile. And it's like, oh, they got that shit figured out. Other people, most important thing to do is conquer or make money. Yeah. Right? What is the philosophy? Who and then who is really winning? Yeah. And if I if I can say like, oh, we're better because we're American and we conquer, like, okay, that that might be for an American one American's perspective, but for a, a person who is not of that culture, like, where you're losing to what we value is the best thing, which is exactly. happiness or mm-hmm. laughter, just the concept of laughter, because it's contagious. Because it's contagious, and 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 that's what makes them tick, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you, you know, and I think too, and not to go too off topic, but then it's like, well, I need to own that laughter. Mm-hmm. So now let me um, you put it in a jar. Exactly. Let me subjugate it. Yeah. Let me like a like. Let me put it in a in a, in a cage, and then here's my here's my bird in a cage. Look, it laughs. I don't, I don't know how it laughs. I must own it. I must own this spirit of movement and power and beauty, whether it's, um, you know, um, whether it's jazz music or whether it's um, an orchid, you know, I haven't talked about orchid flowers or cherry blossoms or whatever, you know, whatever is important. Like, oh, I must have that because I must own and dominate, you know. So we, so we play with all these types of themes in addition to, Okay, so the untamed is a story of a man who wants a second chance to be a better father, and that's really a um, a reflection of me. Yeah. And right, and and shit that I had done wrong, and you know what could I do to be better? And I listened to a lot of um, Aaron Copeland and Gorecki mm-hmm. and um, certain classical sounds that were really like, oh, okay, this just is gonna. I'm going to gut kick you in the soul as much as possible. And you're going to right. drop every scab and be as vulnerable as possible. And, you know, writing the untamed sucks because it's always a, how can I um, be as vulnerable as possible and unearth as much of my own sin mm-hmm. as possible? And how would I find redemption? And is this this little girl? I'm, is it too much of this little girl? Mm-hmm. I'm asking too much of this girl. I'm asking way too much of Naomi to, to heal me. Like, who's the teacher? You know, 
Mm-hmm. It's funny you brought up um, around uh, about music. I remember um, a, a story. Well, my story is uh, my my mother used to always play music when she was watering the plants. Because mm-hmm. she felt it would make them grow faster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she always told me it it, it would. You know. And, yeah. And I always, I always, in the beginning, of course, I thought she was crazy, right? Until I got my own plants and I started doing it. Oh yeah. Came to come to find out that it was real. Oh yeah. You know, and it's a, it's a vibration. Yeah. You know where living things feel it. Yeah. Regardless of how it's working around now, to to get back to to this story, do you feel as though if um when when this does get built cinematically will mm-hmm. you want to be a part of the musical process the compositions yeah definitely without question well um um i not i'm not sure how much i'm allowed to say okay i'm, I'm probably not allowed to say anything oh, I, <laughs> right now i know all i can say is we're in development because yes. i was like where are you at we're in development 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 uh um and it's um it's a much slower process than I realized, but um, I'm I'm blessed. So I, you know, that's 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 it. But yes, absolutely. And we even I even tried to write and produce a couple of songs that would reflect the sound of um, um, with a with a friend of mine um, that would reflect kind of the intention. And she was brilliant. She'd always teach me and say. You know, certain tribe, tribes, they're not, you know, the, the concept of music or sound mm-hmm. or, or statues, you, you probably know this shit better than me, is literally it's like everything is a, is a ceremony. Mm-hmm. It's ceremonial. It's not like um, it's a ceremony of what? So if then we could take the ceremony of certain types of sounds that felt like ro- really rooted. Mm-hmm. Um, then it would then it would hit and give it a lot of weight and grab and gravitas right because you know? i you know um i'm i'd probably get hated for saying this shit, but i'm i'm such an old head when it comes to music mm-hmm. that i i'm not a like straight up for me as soon as i hit auto tune it makes my fucking uh sphincter tighten a little bit i can't <laughs> i can't hack it not the only one Okay, it just, you know, and um, and the celebration of like, okay, so you go, if you look historically of the movement of sound and what has uplifted, um, you know, the disenfranchised and especially black folks, you can go, okay, well, you, jazz, sure, you know, rock and roll. Old Negro spirituals. Old Negro spirituals, you know. Um, and you know, folks being allowed to um, sing in the church as the only way to kind of communicate, and then that's being owned, and then oh, then here, and then that's being owned, and then this, and then that's being owned, and so on. Yeah. And when I look at today's sounds, and I think it's um, it's 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 um, what is being celebrated, and why is it being celebrated? Mm-hmm. Do we have the patience or the care or the knowledge to have the patience and the care while we're being bombarded with all this extrasensory shit like right. 
of apps like oh on my how late are my edges you know where's the focus of the day the focus of the day is this you know yeah. and then you spend three hours in that then you're kind of like sucked in and, and and we are as people we want to feel part of a tribe so hey this is hot right now if you're not in it you don't know yeah they you, to me it's like this shit is bad for your health you know mm-hmm. like just you know like um i think it's and I'm going to sound like a crazy person, but <laughs> but I believe that if you can look at the last hundred years, to me, Black American music is to me the most powerful thing in the universe. Um, it has moved people. I'm not going to say you're lying. I, I, yeah, okay. I it's just, just, yes, I definitely believe, believe it so wholeheartedly Yeah. that if, if you can say, okay, I can, I can fuck with this. I can shit. This is, this is frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a scary thing. How can I put lipstick on it? How can I, you know, yeah. say lipstick's bad, but how can I, uh, steer it this way? How can I push it this way? How can I, yeah. um, let me break down the sound into something that's incoherent, something that sounds like you're whining like a five-year-old, and now you're, is that taking away from masculinity? But what is masculinity, and is masculinity yeah. a bad? Are we now getting on the subject of, like, people saying, like, well, masculinity is a bad thing. How about, it, you know, it's not pie, and masculinity can be good, and so can yeah. so can non-binary, and all these things can coexist, but we're so distracted by the guff and the fluff Mm-hmm. Now I think we're missing um, real spiritual warfare and a real agenda. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's why, I'd, you know, it's probably the most revealing shit I've said on an interview, but literally for me, it's like, that's why I do, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I do Niobe like this. Right. And um, I've seen enough shit, bro, to be, I running a record label, I've seen, and it, look, I'm a Wu-Tang head. I'm a fucking, you know, like a hardcore head, right? Yeah, it's same. Yeah, it's, I mean, to me, that's a true reflection of um, that's a true artistic reflection of um, what somebody is conveying in their spirit. It doesn't have to be. You know, I'm the anti fake R and B shit mm-hmm. I mean, because I just don't buy it. I'm like, if I'm going to put on R and B, I'm probably going to put on. Otis Redding or mm-hmm. Al Green or Nina or Hedda James. I, I, you know, Donny Hathaway. I can't, I can't fuck with someone that's, um, otherwise I might as well watch um, a musical because, mm-hmm. it, because it's a show. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But no. that, nothing wrong with that. A show is a show and that's great and fine. But I think it's this. Um, there's parallels to it. There's parallels to it, and is this so, is this affecting your soul? Is this really soul music and right. soul, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, yeah. See, that's what happens. Like I don't know, fucking tangent. It's quite all right because we we're probably it, talking about remote controls instead of talking about aliens or something. No, shit. because I always think of when certain things get consumed so much by people, and therefore the engine starts going to where it's built into mass production. Yeah. Everything turns into fast food. You yeah. Know? So mm-hmm. music, same thing. Everybody wants music. Yeah. Everybody wants music to be released as quickly as possible by yeah. their favorite artist 
right. week after week after week. So right. the the game started to change and it messed up the whole method methodology. Yeah. There was a, there was a point in time where artists wouldn't release things for three to four years because sure. they sure. actually took their time within the studio to put things out. Sure. But now in the age of streaming, you know, it's like, no, we got to have it now. Like, like push it out as much as possible. And oh, all your old catalogs. Yeah, we got to put that out too. And, you know, it's not necessarily the person going out and grabbing it. It's all fast food now. I <laughs> hope I hope the comic industry never turns into that, even though slightly it has. But, <laughs> you know, but mass, it's, mass it's, production is a problem. It's a popularity. It's, um, this kid was telling me the other day, she's like, yeah, I know it sucks. The music crap. But I don't care. So and so put it out. It's not even about the music. It's a, it's a popularity contest. That's it. And I was like, whoa, that's some deep shit. It is a popularity contest. And the trouble is, is when we have social media and let's say Instagram, you know, like you and I are friends on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You are my follower, or I am your follower, right? So you have all these little kind of subliminal shit, like, oh, so if I'm a follower of celebrity insert X. I feel like I have access to them and I now must um, follow what they do and say. So these social media influencers are giants because they can change the course of X, Y, and Z. And then, and, but they're also kind of under the microscope that we're forgetting the mystery of, let's say right. the Beatles and the stones or whatever, like, Oh, there's, there's a mystery behind them mm -hmm. back then because they, they can't be touched, you know? Now we feel like, oh, we can build them up, we can tear them down. And um, I think that also breeds- That's what it is. Yeah. yeah, they used to tell you to chew you up and spit you out. That's what type of business this is. And yeah. it's true. Yeah, it is. Yeah. To, yeah. Well, to continue, um, there's this storyline that you basically just uh, put out on Kickstarter. Oh, that, yeah. That I thought was intriguing. You know, very intriguing because I, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm a backer. Thank you. I appreciate because it. Out of the whole um, concept of uh, elves, fairies, fables, you decide to make, out of Stranger Comics, a Christmas story about some very, very, very naughty elves. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's the other side of me, right? So... You know, you can be like, oh, so good. serious or whatever. But like, I don't have to laugh at myself, have a fucking giggle. You know, right. it's, it's this strange conflict where you go, good Lord, you take yourself so goddamn seriously, you know. And um, and so ruining Christmas was actually been, we've been nurturing that shit for over 10 years. Really? Yeah. Um, so Daryl and I, okay, he remembers it differently. We're, but I remember it that we're at a Starbucks. Okay. And I'm like, look at these entitled motherfuckers. They're like, oh, I'm so, you know, and I was so irritated with that shit. And, um, and so it was, the whole concept is really, and the two characters were kind of modeled after both of our best friends passed away and they were very bigger than life personalities. Okay. And um, Lee, my friend, he worked in the record business. He was like a hip hop MC from the seventies with Battle Nelly yeah. Mel, like, like stories, you know. Okay. And, um, and, and um, the concept of ruining Christmas was the sense of entitlement that kids have now. Right. And the 
apathy that the parents have for their entire like mom i said a sony playstation not an xbox oh i'm sorry all right okay i'll get you another one you know like all right you bet you know that shit you know and then that entitlement that we see which is also contagious and then pettiness which is like oh, i'm just being petty well well fucking don't be <laughs> uh, do you know what i mean i don't get it like right you know, like oh yeah i just ghosted him well then you are a ghost and then you're fucking dead to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this, this, um, I think all these things of entitlement and apathy and, um, and, and all that kind of shit, uh, then leads to, um, myopic cowardice and create whatever the fuck. Anyway, long story, fuck all that. Ruining Christmas is about two Christmas elves. Uh-huh. They get the shit beaten out of them by the rottenest kid in all the land. And they lose Santa's hat, the source of all Christmas magic. Mm-hmm. So they have to go on a buddy mission to get it back. Right. Um, so, okay, I'm going to show you something, right? So here is a little preview comic that we did back in 2016, 17. Right, right. A little bit naughty. And, but in 1896, December 25th, this little kid comes running down the steps, Christmas time, to, you know, get this stuff. And he pulls out a lump of coal. Right. He's really disappointed. So you can see he kind of sniffles, wipes his nose. Mm-hmm. And then drops the coal. Right, so there's Hitler. Hitler was the last kid to ever get a lump of coal. Oh, man. And FDR and Churchill, they go to Santa and they go, you got to knock that shit off. So we enter the nuclear age and Santa puts his elves to work. We invent cheer gas. Mm-hmm. And cheer gas is for Christmas elves, every Christmas, they go up and they power, they, they blast mace kids in the face with cheer gas to power up the love meter. Mm. And now they've got addicted to the cheer gas and kind of immune to it. And Santa, now that the spirit of giving uh-huh. has been taken at it, right. up, like with a 10 inch Ewer log, right? So the spirit of giving is taking it. Yep. That's where we're at. So we enter economic depression because Gimel and Coos, our heroes, they're the naughty list coordinators and they miss this kid, little Joey Canuggins. Mm-hmm. So they have to go mace him in the face, pair him up, but he beats them up and all hell breaks loose. Because what, and Santa, the way we've kind of factor is like Santa is like, you know, it's a saint. Yeah. Right. So saints, angels, prophets, gods, we worship them. Mm-hmm. Santa's no longer being worshiped because mm. we're done with the spirit of giving. Right. Do anymore. It's all about us, it's all about selfies. It's all about me. So Santa doesn't give a fuck about us. So he's become a meth addict, trailer trash, uh, just an absolute waster. Well, you know, and the red rogue, the sis, this beautiful sister, she's basically the first elf to ever quit at the factory. And she's become this kind of like kitty, kitty prize. She can phase in out of snow. Right. She's the only one just about keeping Christmas going she stole his belt so she can get into chimneys doll out the fucking parrot presents get back make sure everything's good while santa's becoming more and more of a complete um mess so we've got layers to the story of like it's big irreverent um so this is not a one-off at all no it's big (laughs) it's a big like i don't know if you saw it let me grab this this is how absurd this stuff is okay so we have Frosty the Snowman, mm-hmm. 
Frosty the Snowman is like Willy Wonka at the pole. Okay. And he, he's basically the guy in charge of the merchandise. You know, hey kids, it's Frosty, you know. But really he's a prohibition gangster. And if you smoke a Frosty's bong, you might invoke the spirit of the real Frosty, like don't, you know, like Candyman, don't look in the mirror, you're like, all that, don't say his name. Exact, don't say his name. But he he creates these wonderful merch items like, um, oh my God. <laughs> like, you, like you never forget your first kiss, you know, oh. um, Frosty's frostbite condoms. Yeah, we're, we're very much in the, the face mask with the mistletoe for the grind, not the kiss, but the grind. Right. So we're very health conscious at Stranger Comics. We're here to protect your, we're here to protect you. It's true. And then we've got his rival is this little black gnome called Big Love. And he's like the Slugworth to the Willy Wonka. Yeah. So they're, they're in like, they have- the, the rival company. The rival company, the rival gang, the snowmen and the gnomes, you know, it's, and, and then the, the elves, they're like slave labor. And after the day at the factory, they're one day off his Christmas day. Every night they go to local strip join elves, elves, elves. It's that's how big. So my goal is to be mm -hmm. bring you in with the irreverence and the absurdity, and then like you know how kids are. They're so like I'm so irreverent. Don't talk to me. I'm so irreverent because I'm so irreverent. Right. And then go, and then wake 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 the fuck up. Right. And then hit them hit them with the yeah you know you you you're wasting the world you know and so it's really there's there's a lot of layers within the story oh my god and now now i can't wait yeah <laughs> and and i believe the book is delivered in march it's um, in March, yeah yeah so <laughs> I, to to look at a concept like christmas and i know everybody's everybody pretty much has taken a concept of christmas turned it into comedies Turned sure. it into, uh, uh, of course, dramatic ro romance, uh, romance, uh, sure. romance built driven movies like Lifetime movies and Hallmark yeah. movies and everything Hallmark like that. Movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I even remember like Bad Santa. So it was like slapstick at one point. Yeah. So, but to take the concept of Santa himself and then revert that, that's, that's brilliant. Thanks, man. And, I, and it, we, so that Darren, like we, he wrote this draft, and um, and he had a lot of, it had a lot of heart. It had a lot of, there was a lot of cleverness to it, a lot of deep, deep heart. And um, but um, I can't remember if it was him. He'll he'll say it was his idea, but it probably wasn't. But it, I was like, let's write this as a guy. If Guy Ritchie was doing this, like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or Snatch, right? How can we make this as British as possible? And British comedians are a lot, they get away with a lot more than American comedians do. Like it, it's still catching up, you know. Benny, this. Benny Hill. Benny, Benny, do you know my Benny Hill was Benny still, Hill. Benny, <laughs> Benny Hill used to phone my uh, mum and would always try and get her in uh, his shows. <laughs> really? Yeah, my mum was, my mum was um, in England. She was one of England's most famous models back in the days, and she was a she was a James Bond girl. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. A lot, a lot of funny stories. So Benny, there's a Benny Hill, but if you see any of the, did you ever watch the Guy Ritchie movies like Snatch or Lockstock? Okay, Snatch is one of my favorite movies. Okay, so imagine that or Rock and Roller. It's like he's a fucking snowflake. I wouldn't trust him to shovel reindeer yeah. shit. That's uh -huh. how I've written. Uh, how I've written. Uh, Ruining Christmas, you know.
He's like, Santa Claus, what a bastard. He's got me freezing my chestnuts off. It's very... Right. Because, because oftentimes in those movies, you often see like the characters turn, in, turn into the narrator all of a sudden. Like <laughs> right. out, out of nowhere. Right. They're facing the camera and they're telling you the story. Like, but you could, you could tell by the other end of the lens that they're talking to somebody else. But no, they're talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I absolutely love those movies. I did a, I did, a, when I was acting back in the day, so I did a commercial with the director of photography from Lockstock and Snatch. And uh, I only booked the gig because I, because um, I was really uh, crazy in the auditions. And it was, I got to twirl this girl into like a wedding cake and all, all sorts of absurd stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, Ruining Christmas, if you like, those kind of British, that kind of British comedy, mm -hmm. and you want to see representation, representation, <laughs> you know, because we do representation always, mm -hmm. but the story has a lot of layers. And I tell you what, mate, like, I know it's offended already. There's a lady that follows me on Instagram. Yeah. And she posted something. She's like, I can tell. On my personal page, she goes, I can tell you're buying followers. I would never follow a man like you. And like, why? And I was like, but I'm, this is a private account. Right. So how would I buy followers on my personal private account? Um, and I don't even, of course, I don't believe in that shit. So, but I was like, that's hilarious. I, you follow me. You requested to follow me because I have a private account. <laughs> I do. But, but yes, I've lost a few, um, you know, because I think comedy is such a touchy subject now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially nowadays, a lot of stand-up comedians and everything don't feel as though that the material or the lengths that they can go to with their material yeah. can be properly absorbed within the crowd. Yeah, you know, someone's going to be triggered no matter yeah. what. Yeah, it's the, it's the whole ca cancel culture thing. It's, you know, you're yeah. not allowed to speak your mind anymore. Yeah, it's great, which I think is dangerous because it doesn't offer discourse, you know, right. it doesn't offer conversation. And if something does rub you the wrong way, then then it's potentially a good conversation to be had. But then, you know, I, I always kind of go a bit back and forth because I might be like, well, maybe I'm wrong. And, you know, maybe it is good that these jokes aren't out there. Who the fuck am I? And, you know, right. um, yeah, but you go yeah. back and forth with it. I. I do, yeah, big time. Do, how how do you feel with that? I I'm I'm kind of the same way because I I enjoy conversation and decorum, whether I agree or disagree with the topic. Right. You know, as as long as we get to talk it out and have a civilized conversation rather than something that's a little bit more volatile. Right. You know, it just it it works out in the end because at the end of the day, I'm going to understand your standpoint because if if we keep talking, we're going right. to get we're going to get deeper and deeper into it right to the point where sooner or later we're going to start pointing at ourselves right yeah that's that's a great way to look at it yeah. I, I i feel like it's if you can't ever get to a place where you can laugh at yourself you're mm -hmm. fucked. yeah you're absolutely fucked yeah and that's why i love um chappelle i love bill burr mm -hmm. oh I, I find myself watching all the reaction videos to even though I've seen them, I've seen the, all the Bill Burr clips, like watching people's reaction videos yeah. to Bill Burr. 
that, that, that or new people that have just gotten yeah. into them. Yeah. Like yeah. Patrice O'Neill and all those types of people. Oh, people. gosh. Amazing. And it's such a relief. And I think it's like, you, you know, it's like, well, you know, your mama jokes. Oh, my goodness. You've affected me because my yeah. mother, blah, blah, blah. It's just the same shit. So yeah. you're just. In high school, we called it the dozens. We did your mama jokes for about an hour straight <laughs> through, through lunch. And then everybody went their separate ways. Right. Everybody laughed. Right. And went to class right afterwards. How can you not. It's crazy. How mm -hmm. can you not? It's um I and I love those roasts. Back, yeah. You know, with um the um the one dude that died um, Dean Martin, the Dean Martin roast. The Dean Martin they're amazing too, Martin, but yes. The Jeff Jeffrey Ross and the other guy that passed away not that long ago. Um oh, like, all the all the, mo the more kind of like like 10 years ago roasts where they roast flavor flay they roasted trump oh, yes 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 oh that, my that, that was on, yeah oh, on ph1 i freaking love that shit and so many of them taken down and you're like mm -hmm. oh my god yeah they were, they were hilarious they are i love that shit um but but when i was doing ruining i had to look at all the jokes that we had made back 10, 12 years ago, and look at the characters too, to mm -hmm. be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna take, I just gotta take, a, I gotta take another pass at this because even though they're very, some of them are very outlandish, and I understand some folks can be like, yeah, just fuck you based on principle. <laughs> you know, there are gonna, be, there are some that I'm like, okay, no, I've also evolved, and maybe this is too potentially, right, or you know, whatever um and because i've had i've had folks go like so wait does that mean you're not doing naive anymore because you're doing this and i'm and i go i dude i'm a publisher i i like ice cream yeah. and i like sandwiches yeah you know i, you know, I kind of like i enjoy know. cotton candy and olives right two exactly. different things right i like sandwiches and i like sex like it could be completely different you know what i mean like you're yeah. a three-dimensional person mm -hmm. um there are other but, angles to my personality and, and and surely like you you know like but i think what happens too is you know you you experience this obviously you're a super rounded dude is people want to be able to put you in a box so they can feel better about themselves and where they're at in their on their at times, most of us live linear journeys, mm -hmm. you know, arguing over who bought toothpaste, yeah. who bought the kid for the weekend, um, you know, yeah. how can we pay this bill? Do I have a job? This, this, yeah. this. So, um, Generally, the first people that try to put you in a box are your parents. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. They're like, yeah. I want to mold you into this person. Like, yes. I'm nowhere near that guy. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mom read my very first script, which was dog shit. Okay. And um, she was like, this is terrible. And um, she, um, she, and, and it was on flight, it was on a, a Word document. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the hell I was doing. Um, but, but some, but a, produ a producer read it and he's like, yeah, this is all over the place. Um, but you, you're a dime in the rough. The story is amazing. It's totally unproducible. It was over 300 pages long. I didn't know you shouldn't write more than 100 pages or whatever. Right. It was, it was 301 per page. Like, this is bigger than Ben-Hur. This is not, what are you thinking? But, but there's a really interesting, this is a great story here. But it's just too big. 
and then literally i okay the, the journey of the untamed was i was rocking my newborn to sleep mm. and i was overtired hadn't slept my son's mom who um i love dearly but we're, we, we're not together anymore but uh, we we were having a difficult time mm -hmm. and i was rocking it was a, it was the worst time in my life i think to be honest and i saw these demon patterns on the on the wall like shadows like shadows and they were probably just filtering light through the curtains and it looked like they were laughing at me and i was just delirious from lack of sleep mm -hmm. her mother was dying of cancer it was a it was just all hitting all of this life death or everything um i'd been i'd been bad and and I was always a very good person and everything was just, I'd lost it. Mm -hmm. And I wrote down with a pencil, and a piece of paper, I'm a bad man. Day one, I'll come to town to bathe this town in blood, blah, 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 blah. Day two, I'll do this and the other. I meet a girl. She'll maybe can give me my soul back. Day three. Wow. And just no shit. So I, after 10 minutes of just this vomit on paper, I read it and go, well, this would make a good fucking story. <laughs> and um, and well, this is like a spaghetti western. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's like a spaghetti western. Oh, seven issues, seven days, seven souls, seven issues. Mm -hmm. I this shit out in an outline. And I sent it to the producer. And he's like, that's fucking genius. Mm -hmm. Spaghetti western with a fantasy. Yeah. Okay, cool. That was the untamed. That's how it began. And then I wrote the script in a week. It just wow. in a week. Yeah, the first draft. I mean, there's been shitloads of drafts since, but the first draft was essentially the essence of what you read in that first book. Yeah, it mm -hmm. just um, it just was. It was just there. I don't think I'll ever recreate that. You know, but. Yeah. <laughs> Well, sir, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm a rambler. I told you, I was, I'm all over the place. Look, you can feel free to ramble at any time. <laughs> I have you on. So this, this, this is brilliant. So absolutely, we're going to get ruined in Christmas come March. Yep. What, do, what do we expect more from Stranger Comments coming soon? Okay, so, oh, first off, Come to the live on Thursday. I got okay. a Stranger Comics Instagram. It's the last end of the year con blowout. Right. Also discounts, a couple of guests. It should be batshit crazy. New swords, new this, new that. Um, next year, we're going to have um, ruining, uh, ruining Christmas kicks off the end of the year, another one. Maybe yep. some other things too. But it'll have, we have a new um, Niobe and Dura comic that we're mm -hmm. developing on right now. And then we'll probably have another comic um, with uh, Eli working on a young Dusu book and mm. um, an origin of powers type story. And um, yeah, so yeah, so we'll have more Niobe, more Dusu, more Asunder uh, next year. And a lot of things that you can't tell us about. <laughs> and yeah, and a lot of shit I can't say a word about. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. right. So, so how, if, if people wanted to get in contact with stranger comics and wanted to research your books, how could they do so? 
Um, just just look up at Stranger Comics on any social media or yeah. go to strangercomics.com. Perfect, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for doing this, man. Thank Thanks you. For having me. Yeah, I appreciate it, bro. Yeah, you're the best, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Facts Project, we are out.